hey, good morning, Calvary. It is uh, so good to be here with you, and I'm looking forward to this message a great deal. Happy Valentine's Day. And, uh, you know, I know some people love it, some people don't, and we're kind of eh about it in our home, but we try to have fun because I love my wonderful, amazing, beautiful wife so much, so why not be able to celebrate her? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Amen. Okay, so with that, though, that's why as we continue this series, Living Out Your Faith, I uh, just wanted to even be able to title this message today, Return to Your First Love. Now, I'm not saying go back to your kind of middle school sweetheart or something like that. You know, I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying that, but I'm talking about returning to our first love of Jesus and thinking of the, the core teachings of the grace of Jesus. And so as we go through this, that's what we're talking about. And it's a really important passage that I thought we were just getting three short verses, but it is packed so I want to get going on a mission right now. So if you have not yet, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 13, and we'll look at verses 7 through 9. I'll read those now for you. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the results of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. All right, so that's the core of this. Let me just kind of like just tell you real briefly the whole message, and then I'm going to do it in a longer version. All right, so it's this, he gives this quick thing of just remember those leaders that spoke the word of God to you, consider the the results of their life, and imitate their faith. But then there's this verse in the middle, Jesus Christ never changes. And so if your leaders fail you that spoke the word of God to you, remember Jesus stays the same always. And then the next verse, it's this Jesus stays the same is this bridge between these other two verses. That last verse, don't get carried away by strange and varied teachings. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now we'll get into a little bit about all that stuff about foods and, and all that stuff. But let's start then into on verse 7. Remember, consider, imitate. All right? Remember, consider, imitate. That's the part for you to remember. Maybe even let's do kind of a kid's church version. Let's say this together. Remember, consider, imitate. That's how you can remember this part about remembering those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the results of their conduct, imitate their faith. Okay, so let's break this down just piece by piece. And so first, remember your leaders. Remember your leaders. Now, specifically those that speak the word of God to you. Like, of course, that's what I'm doing right now, a leader in our church speaking the word of God to you. And so this can be about me, but it's not just about pastors, all right? But it is a reason why I take this verse very seriously from, from this end of it. Because there's some of you that need to look at this verse and read this verse and think and dwell upon it as someone is in the role of a leader that speaks the word of God into other people's lives. So some of us need to look at it that way. All of us need to look at it at the way of being those that would then remember these certain leaders in all of our life. 
okay? So those that speak the word of God to you, again, not just a pastor, it could be, it could be some pastors too that aren't just the current pastor. It could be your youth pastor growing up or a mentor in your life growing up or some, another pastor from your past. It could be an elder in the church. It could be a parent, a grandparent. It could be just someone that has been that kind of disciple or mentor in your life, but not just anyone. It's someone that is a leader that speaks the word of God into your life. And so think about those people. Think about who those could be, maybe even right now for you. Like, okay, so who is, you know, who is a person like that in my life that I could think about and who I can remember? Interestingly, some scholars think that in this book of Hebrews, they're saying remember them because likely these were some of those who had been martyred. When you think about Hebrews 11 and 12 and what you've read in there, people have given their very lives for the sake of the gospel. And so they're remembering them and like the results of their life, how they gave all for Christ. For us, we just think back on this now. It could be people from your past that have passed, it could, passed on, but it could just be anyone now. So think about them and then consider the results. Consider the outcomes of how they live, how they live their life. Now, I think this is interesting in the sense that this isn't just think about the stuff they've said or even the things they've done, but what have been the outcomes? What have been the results of that? Do you see something that you want to be able to, because the next line is to imitate? Is there something worth imitating? And it's even a good sense that this is about someone who's going to live this out a little bit. It's not just what they've said. It's not just what they've done, but they've lived it out. It's kind of like, you know, because we, we get told a lot of things. I mean, back in the day, we were told, uh, you know, Marlboro cigarettes are recommended by doctors, right? It's like, okay, we've known now that they told us that, but that probably wasn't like great advice over time. And, you know, let's put asbestos in everything. And it's like, okay, over time, we've realized that wasn't the great idea, uh, has not resulted in good. It's resulted in sickness and death, actually. And so in that way, you want to not just look at what someone has said, but how has that played out? So how has, like the family life of this person, their work life, their personal hidden life, their closeness to God, their relationship with God, how they spend time with the Lord. And so for me, this is part of why I mean, I, I feel this need and desire to take all of my life seriously, not just sort of my church life or even just like how I even just spend time with God because I recognize that there needs to be an example of the results of my life, the outcome of my life. And so I want you to think about this. And when you think about, okay, who should I be following? Who should I be considering? And all of that. It's like, look for people that are filled with God's joy. Look for people, if you have kids or want to have kids, that it's like, look for people with kids that you want your kids to be like. Look for people who've been able to be generous with others. People who've recovered from a struggle or a failure in their lives and you've seen the way that now they're following Jesus faithfully. Look for people who've been consistently faithful and if that's what you're looking for. I wanna be able to live that kind of life with those kind of results. People who seem to genuinely spend time with God that results in intimacy with the Lord and a dependence and yieldedness to the Holy Spirit of God. Look for that. So what is it that you hope for in your life? Look for that in others. 
and then say, okay, I want to imitate their faith. I want to be like them. I want to live my life in the way they're living their life and their faith so that I can hope for those similar outcomes. Now, it doesn't say imitate everything about that person. You don't want to imitate how I lose at fantasy football every year or my very colorful sense of style. You might just want to, you know, only just imitate my faith. <laughs> but also it's like, I got to recognize, I might say, don't imitate how I drive. But hopefully that's, my faith can inform that a little bit more. I tend to be a little aggressive and I need to tone that down, right? And so it's like, there's ways that even in our regular life, how our faith should inform that or affect all of those everyday sorts of senses of our life. But imitate their faith. Don't idolize them as a person. I think we get in trouble in this world where spiritual leaders in our life become, rather than imitating, we, they, we, become, we begin to idolize them. And I think a lot of times when people fail, because people do, then all of a sudden our whole, our faith gets shattered because that's the foundation is that person instead of it being Jesus. And so that's part of, as we'll continue to talk about, Jesus stays the same yesterday and today and forever. But imitate faith, don't idolize it. And I just, I, I encourage you to imitate my faith. Imitate these people's faith in your life that you're thinking about. My pursuit of Christ, my worship, my obedience to God, my reliance on the Holy Spirit, my meditative life, my Sabbath life, like all of that, or, or whoever it is, like look into those things and be willing to then kind of adopt and adapt those then into your life, into who you are uniquely and who God has created you to be, but to look to people who you can remember, consider the results, and then imitate their faith. And so with this, obviously, like we continue to remember that it is the word of God that is the standard for success. The word of God is the standard for what that kind of successful life looks like. So is it a life that models Jesus's life? Is it a life that displays his love and his grace? Is it a life that cares about obedience to the word of God? And you know, specifically, even for Christian leaders, 1 Timothy 3 Titus 1, we don't have time to just go through all of those, but those are, that's the model for what a Christian leader should be like. So does that person's life live out 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1? Is that that kind of life? And so I just want to encourage you that leaders need to be able to show their lives as much as we can, but there's like leaders that you'll see on stages, and then there's leaders that you actually have in your life personally. Now, it's like, for me as the lead pastor, senior pastor of Calvary Church, it's like, obviously I can't be like hanging out with every person even here, which doesn't represent like everybody in our church. It's just, there's not enough time in the day, right? And so, yes, there's a way that us as leaders that you would see on stages, I'm involved in some people's lives, but you need to make sure that you have leaders that speak the word of God to you that are involved in your life on a regular, real, everyday basis. And I think that this could be literally the most important and essential thing that you do after today if you don't, if you have not yet done this. Do you have a person that you would call a leader who has spoken the word of God into your life that you can know intimately and be an apprentice to them 
in living out your faith, that you could be mentored by them, or this Christian word, discipled by them. A disciple is a follower of something or someone. And so are you a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? But then you also have people that are helping you, discipling you, helping you follow Jesus more. Do you have a person in your life that you can meet regularly with, that you can kind of know a little bit about their everyday life and what their family life's like, what their personal life, what the Lord is like, and all of that. If you don't have that in your life, the number one thing you should do today is, yeah, not to have a Valentine's meal. The number one thing you should do today is to give a person a call and say, can I please hang out with you? Can I spend some time with you? Can we meet a couple times a month? Can we meet monthly? Can, we, can I get a sense of what your life is like? Because I want to be able to, to learn from you. But it's up to you. It's up to you to pursue it, not up to them to pursue you, okay? So it's the most important and essential thing that you can do is have someone that you can remember, consider, and then imitate. But you need to be able to know them and have a relationship with them. So I encourage you to do that uh, really, really strongly. And then remember that Jesus never changes, okay? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Remembering again, leaders will fail you, but Jesus won't. Uh, and so I love how this verse is this bit of this bridge between seven and nine. This is verse eight. And it's the fact that leaders will fail you, Jesus won't. Leaders aren't God, Jesus is. Imitate your leaders, but ultimately imitate Jesus. And then as it bridges now to verse 9, new teachings will arise, but Jesus doesn't change. New philosophies come around, but Jesus is the same. Okay? So we, we remember that as what kind of holds us steadfast, that in anything we remember Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. So don't get carried away. And if you have, return. Don't get carried away. Don't get washed down the stream is what the language in this verse represents. Don't get washed down the river by varied and strange teachings. This is so important. We have a lot of varied and strange teachings in our day. They did back in the first century, second century, kind of time as well in the early days of the church. But we have this now a lot. And in this context of this verse, it's about something to do with food, okay? So actually scholars are kind of like, not totally sure if it was food sacrificed in the temple or if it's just the dietary laws of, of Jewish, you know, Jewish dietary laws, if it's following that and all of that. But it's interesting that even I think about if it's about these food that was sacrificed at the temple and then getting to like eat that yourself, and think that that's going to then help you after to eat that food as part of, part of this. So it's, it's weird stuff that doesn't apply to our lives today. But it is uh, in that sense that bringing something outside of God's word into what we think will help us in our daily life. That that's not a thing to do either. <laughs> These aren't things. God has said that's, like, that's not part of following Jesus. But we bring these things into our life that are outside of God's word thinking they will help us, but they're getting us carried away by varied and strange teachings. So it says that here, there's a 
bunch of verses, honestly, in the New Testament that talk about this. Colossians 2.8 is another one. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. And so how does our culture, how does our world influence our faith, these traditions of, of, of men, these traditions of humans, rather than Jesus? And so that's why this is all about getting returning to our first love, returning to Jesus, returning to that core teaching of his grace in our lives. And so we want to remember that, but we can just get carried away because I think we get very uh, drawn in by the new. We get drawn in by, oh, wow, I've, I've never heard that before. That's intriguing to me. And then when we can get kind of drawn in by something new when like, Honestly, like if there's something new, you really want to be more just careful about it because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so be cautious of the new. Don't be, as Ephesians 4 says, tossed back and forth by the waves and the wind, right? That we are, we are steadfast according to Jesus and his way. Now, we need to be able to take things and test them. I'll talk through like there's been some things that you know, that, that I have grown in and changed in. And there's some ways that I have been solidified in kind of those core teachings. And I'll talk through some of that a bit, but there were, there were like essentially heresies that were new going around since the beginning. Since the beginning of all this, these first couple hundred years of, of Christianity, you had all this stuff coming in. I mean, people, all these isms, right? So you've got Gnosticism. These people would say that Jesus didn't have a physical body because our physical nature is purely evil and Jesus can't be evil. And so like, that's part of this heresy. Like there was a, there was a heresy called Montanism where there was this guy that, would, that said that he was a special prophet so he's this special prophet, is the only one that can really hear from the Holy Spirit. And he also then began to predict the exact time and place that Jesus would return. And it was within a very brief amount of time back then in the early church, which obviously didn't happen. And we see all sorts of things like this today of people saying they are the special prophet. They are the one that hears from God only. They, we see people trying to predict the return of Jesus or predict all sorts of other things, and it doesn't happen. And because, like, we have to stay focused on the core teachings of Christ rather than stuff. There's all these other, like, heresies that the Father created the Son, Jesus, Arianism. There was Pelagianism where that says that people are inherently good, that we don't have a sinful nature. And so they had to like kind of work all this stuff out in this early church time. And that's where you see all these councils and, and stuff in the early church. I encourage you to study church history. It's fascinating. But to look into this, and that's where the creeds came out of that, the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, because we had to get some of this stuff straight and understand it to say this is what we believe. This is how it is. And we don't get washed like, and, and pushed back and forth or carried away by new and strange teachings. And so we have those still today, and we need to be careful. And so we need to test that which we hear. 1 Thessalonians 5, I think, is, is kind of interestingly helpful with this. It says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, 
So you've got someone to speak something prophetically. They're like, hey, hey, don't quench the spirit about this. The spirit about this. Like, don't despise that. But don't just take it like at face value. Examine it carefully. Examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. So everything has to be examined carefully. And the filter is the word of God. The filter is Jesus. If it takes away from the supremacy of Christ or his grace, like that kind of stuff, like we need to be able to see that that would not be good. And so we test things. Because I think in our lives these days, we tend to go with things that feel right rather than examining it and testing it, picking the point of view that we like rather than what the word of God says. And it kind of goes on all ends of the spectrum. It's not just the end that you're thinking about right now. It's both probably, okay? <laughs> so we tend to pick what we like rather than examining it. And it's sort of like you would test the water quality of a pool before you jump into it, right? So you wanna make sure that that water is good for, you know, and it's not gonna kill you before you jump into that water. And so, yeah, you might hear about something. And so before you just jump into it and just buy into it all the way, test it. Test it. Test it according to the word of God. And so I'm going to talk right now just about how a couple ways that I see this in our world today, okay? Because I see this pretty strongly in a couple real different directions. And so you'll probably all, maybe all of you will be mad at me by the end, which is fine. I kind of don't mind that. Um, but uh, I'll poke the bear on all sides. Uh, but I, I think that one I'll just call sort of for lack of a better expression, maybe progressive theology. Okay? And I'm not just bashing on something for being progressive, but it is in the sense of it is theology that is moving more towards, I would say, even kind of a postmodern way of looking at the world that is a way of saying that I uh, will filter what is true through culture, society, maybe even PC culture, rather than through the word of God. And so if I don't, if I see like it's not popular to believe something, I will throw it out and move towards that. If I see that um, I don't like the, uh, if I don't like the commands of scripture in this area, it goes against what I want to do, then I'll throw it out. A lot of times that's within areas of sexuality and things like that, where it's like, oh yeah, I don't like that or I'll think that doesn't seem nice anymore. Okay, I'm gonna throw that out instead of uh, believing in what the word of God says. Now, I think it's really important in light of that though too, I think it's important that you don't have, you don't believe just what you believe because of the traditions of men, even if that's something more conservative, let's say. Because sometimes we might think something just because that's what we've been told all our lives and that's what we think is right. But we have to test it. And so frankly, here at Calvary, that's part of why we came to this point of even changing to be call, to calling women pastors at Calvary Church, where we didn't as of just a couple years ago. Because as I looked into that, as we looked into that as leaders in this church, it was like, okay, calling women pastors, not, not elders, I'm saying pastors, this has no, nothing in the Bible that would say to not do that. That feels more like a tradition. And so we changed. 
Now, some of you could agree, disagree. Part of the beauty of being in a non-denominational church is that we can disagree on some of that stuff and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. And Oh, dear, that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> um, still be brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's okay. But... Um, but that was like part of that, that we dig into the word of God versus tradition. Now, I went through a process in some of my life where I was kind of questioning everything. And this is like probably 18, 20 years ago, something like that, where kind of just questioning everything and having to really like go through like every point of sort of like lots of different views of theology and how theology affects social issues in our world. And so like even that one I just shared was one that I felt was um, something that I felt like should be changed. And then there were things for me that were, you know, things like the reality of hell or premillennialism, which is part of our doctrinal statement. If you want to talk about it, you probably might not even know what it means, yet you signed a thing that says you do. Um, so <laughs> salvation, marriage, sexuality, like all that stuff, I felt like a sense of grounding on that orthodox, sort of more traditional view. And so anyway, I just want to say, like, it's important to take things and test them according to Scripture and not just go wherever culture is telling you to go because culture changes on a dime. Culture changes because of popular opinion and has nothing to do with the Word of God. But I've seen so many people throw out the Word of God and begin to sort of justify different ways of even looking at the Word of God so that you can have the stuff that you want to do. And that's wrong. And it's like deconstruction can be a good thing if you're kind of deconstructing a faith based on like what your parents told you, so to speak. And that, but it's only good if you then construct it based on the word of God and based on Jesus and who he is. And so rather than basing it on the ways of the world. So do you, a couple questions to consider. Do you think personal pr pleasure or the right to do what you want is more important than following the word of God? Do you believe that God's word speaks into how we should live our lives? That it is inspired and authoritative for how we should live and make decisions about how we live? Or do you allow culture to determine your values rather than the scriptures? If you find those in you, I encourage you to return. Return to your first love. Now, the second one I want to talk about is Christian nationalism, okay? So you can see why I thought, like, you know, kind of poke the bear on both sides here. But, like, Christian nationalism, conspiracy theories, all of that kind of stuff. Are you allowing your either politics or your love of country, which can be good. I'll talk about that in a second. Don't worry but to be more important and to be the primary filter for your life rather than the word of God? Are you allowing that stuff to be what is primarily important to you? That you are like, so let me just say, okay, first, patriotism, good, okay? Patriotism, awesome. I love America. America's awesome. We are so blessed to be part of this incredible country, and I think we should celebrate it. I love the Olympics, like when we get that kind of sense of pride in our country. I love the, the times that we can have a, sort of a pride in our influence and power in the world. Like, that's amazing. I think America is just a wonderful place of opportunity and a wonderful place that we have religious freedoms and all of that. I love all of that. 
But we have to recognize that Christianity, following Jesus, is, first of all, definitely a global thing, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? That there, every tongue, tribe, and nation will bow before him and worship him forever, that we are all the part of the big C church spread across the world, that the kingdom of God is number one. So America, awesome. Christianity is global and God's heart is for the world. And so if you find yourself kind of thinking like, Christianity, and you kind of have mixing Christianity and America in a way that is a little bit too much. You find yourself reading the Bible and saying, seeing Israel and the chosen people of God, and you're thinking, that's us, that's me, that's America. It's not, okay? Just straight up, it's not. And it's not, America's not in the Bible. Um, so, like, just thinking about these questions for yourself is the cause of the USA more important to you than the cause of the church? Where is your allegiance primarily? Is your allegiance primarily to Jesus or is your allegiance primarily to our country? That our allegiance is not to Capitol Hill, our allegiance is to a hill far away. Our allegiance is not to the White House, our allegiance is to our Father's house. And that's what we have to place our allegiance primarily as citizens of the kingdom of God. Some questions for you to think about. Do you consider the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence to be divinely inspired in the same way as the Bible is? Like, just think about that. Think about, like, maybe some things that you've thought about that. There's a surprising high percentage of people that do think that. Are you willing to give up tenets of your faith for political success? Do you think America is the new Israel? And the way I think the country should be run is what God wants. There's this kind of way of blending God and country in a way that's, that's not healthy. God, yes. Country, yes. Awesome, right? Both awesome. <laughs> but God first. And so just be careful. Just if you've started to see that stuff kind of blending or you're buying into like things on the internet telling you about what God wants that are really just about our country. Just be careful and focus your allegiance on Jesus and filter anything that you hear through the word of God. Because I think for a lot of people kind of in my age, we were told by our, our like teachers and, and leaders and elders back uh, 25 years ago, we were told to be careful of relativism. We were, be, we were told to be careful about like sort of sacrificing what you believe, like the scripture says, for what you want and for success in this world. And yet a lot of us have felt like that's what we've seen our culture doing. And so if you, we see it happening on the left and the right, both. And so I want to encourage you, don't be relativistic in your faith in that way in either direction. And so here at Calvary Church, like, we take this seriously. We want to stay away from varied and strange teachings. That's part of why we have an elder board that has a minimum. If you don't know this on our bylaws, we have to have a minimum of 12 people serving on our elder board, 12 men serving on our elder board. And I think one thing that helps with that, it's kind of a lot, honestly. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard in a meeting to have that many people, but it helps that we can't just like pretty quickly just get off track. 
that there's enough people there to help keep us on track with the scriptures, to keep us on track with that right way to go as we seek the Holy Spirit, as we use the, the word of God, the tradition of scripture as our primary filter. And so that's what we want to be careful with. There's no secret knowledge, no secret sauce, no special silver bullet that nobody knows about that's going to fix everything. None of that. It's kind of like what they say about like... Um, you know, being healthy and weight loss and that kind of stuff. It's like, no, no, no. It's like there's not some special pill. It's like it's, it's eating healthy, not too much of it, exercise regularly, you know, have some good mental health. Like it's that stuff. It's the same stuff when it comes to our faith. Like it is Jesus is supreme. The word of God is our filter. There's not some kind of secret thing out there that's going to fix it all for you, okay? It is following Jesus. Now, I want to just tell you real briefly about I'm already over time, but I want to tell you briefly about some time I just spent away and kind of what God did in my heart at that time. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, I went away, which is something I try to do on a, somewhat of an annual basis, but I went away for about four full days by myself in a little room connected on a cattle ranch up in the central coast, just like completely just off, you know, just out in the middle of nowhere by myself. And all I was just trying to do was pray, meditate on scripture, be silent before the Lord, sing and worship to him, like take some walks and talk to God out loud, uh, read, journal, just kind of just, Lord, what do you want for me and my life, for our church? Or what is your heart for our church? Just pursuing God in that kind of silent and solid, silence and solitude. If you ever want to talk about how you do something like that, I'd love to talk to you about that. But um, what I felt like God was placing on my heart the entire time that I was there and away and just seeking him was this word, return. Return. And quite honestly, I spent some time grieving and weeping before the Lord for the ways that I think our country and our and people within our own church have been carried away on either end of these things, carried away by varied and strange teachings, carried away by things that are of the traditions of men and not of the word of God and his spirit. And I just want to say that I feel like what a theme God has for our church is to return. Return to your first love. Return to the ways of Jesus and him and him alone. The simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. It's simple. It really is. But I think that there needs to be some repentance of that we have placed things, whether it's personal pleasure or it's political power and success, we have placed things above Jesus. And we need to repent of that and we need to return to our first love. And so our response is to return to him. Revelation 2, 4, and 5 is where Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. It's a simple calling. Remember. Remember what your faith was even maybe when you first became a Christian, your passion, your zeal for just loving him and sharing him with others and just living this out of serving faithfully, wanting to grow in your faith and learn from others that are farther along in the journey than you. And that's, 
That's what it's about. That's the secret sauce. The simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Being discipled, walking with him. And that's what we have to return to. Return to our first love. And so we're going we're gonna to worship now. But I want us to just do some business with God here. Okay? Just to be able to, I, I'd even just encourage all of you, just even right now, put whatever you have down and just close your eyes. We're going to sing a Keith Green song, and if you ever need to repent, just listen to some Keith Green. He'll take you there. Amazing man of faith. Because we want to focus in on how beautiful God is and return to that first love of him. And so just right now, spend a little time just praying and talking to Jesus about maybe some of the ways that you've gotten off track with this and how you would like to return. So let me pray for you. Almighty God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak into the hearts and minds of each person here of how each one of us can return to you as our first love, repent, remember from where we have fallen, and do the things that we did at first. In Jesus' name, amen.